Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Uh, last week, we, we commemorated the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation as, as it began on October 31st, 1517, with uh, Martin Luther nailing 95 theses to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg. And, and what we are doing in order to kind of con- continue this, uh, uh, this thinking on the Reformation theology is over these next four weeks to focus on uh, Luther's uh, and, and the Reformers and what's come after that, what we call the, the three main solas of the, the Christian faith. Uh, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, according to the word of the Holy Scriptures alone. By grace, through faith, according to the Scriptures. And so what we're going to do today is focus on this first sola, sola gratia. That's the Latin phrase, sola gratia. That means grace alone. Today, my goal for us is to define what this grace of God is, to define it, to demonstrate it to you, and, but mostly to just simply proclaim to you, to, to put it in your, in your heads and in your ears or your hearts so that, that the Holy Spirit can be at work, that, that you would hear, that you would hear and be convinced today that you can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can do nothing to earn your salvation. Salvation comes freely as a gift of God according to his grace apart from our works. His grace apart from our works on account of Christ's uh, work for us on the cross. Uh, Last week we defined grace, and I'll just put this up here on the screen again. You You can break down the word grace into an acronym even. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. What does this mean? God gives everything, his full riches, his his full power. How? At the expense of Christ. Jesus gives up everything so that we can have everything. You cannot do anything to earn favor with God. I repeat, you cannot do anything to earn favor with God. Nothing. You cannot do anything. God does it all. God does all the saving. He does all the forgiving. He does all the life creating. He does all the eternal life giving. God does it all, and he does it for you and for me, poor, miserable, undeserving sinners. If this were an equation, God does 100%, we do zero. God does 100%, we do zero. When it comes to grace, when it comes to the grace of God, this gift of salvation, God does 100%, we do zero. As sinful human beings, I think we look at this reality and sometimes we find ourselves being very grateful for this truth. Because we, we can't imagine how great God's love is for us, that he would go to such extreme lengths for us. We, we, we feel humbled when we hear this good news that God loves us and would do so much for us. But, but I think on the other hand, when we face the reality of life and the practical everyday applications of what this means, sometimes I think that we don't like grace. And it's maybe not that we don't like grace, but grace is so hard for us to understand that often we, we either confuse grace 
or we corrupt the beauty of grace. And here's why, because grace goes against everything that we know about how the world works, how we expect things to work. We live in a world that I think is a, it's a sort of a merit-based world, wouldn't you say? It's a merit-based world. If I eat healthy foods, I will in general be healthy. If I exercise regularly, I will in general be healthier. If I follow the speed limit, I will not get a speeding ticket. But if I do the opposite of any of those things, there are consequences and, and results from that, correct? This is a merit-based world. There are many of you sitting out here today that are currently raising children in your homes, and many of you have raised kids before. Uh, does anybody have sticker charts in their homes right now? This is, this is my good boy chart. This isn't for Max. This is for me, all right? I, I, I reward myself when I do well at home, especially when I'm happy and not whining, okay? So how many of you have sticker charts? Probably, probably a lot of you at, at some extent. What's the gist of a sticker chart? What's the gist of a sticker chart? You, you're, you're required to do some sort of task. If you accomplish the task, you get a sticker or a star, and as you go along, somehow in the end, there's some sort of reward system, right? If you get enough stickers or stars, you get the reward. How many of you think that God has some sort of heavenly sticker chart for all of you? If he did, perhaps it would look something like this. Hopefully you saw the slide at the beginning. That's without grace, right? If, if, if you were to think that you live in some sort of merit-based system with God, and, and that list is not exclusive by, by any means, but, but is, is, is this how it works? How would you feel about this, this sort of idea? Is this how God operates with us? Now, obviously, if, if it were, the reward would not be a sucker, right? It would be something else. But there are, there are some... Um, and, and actually many, many churches, denominations today um, oftentimes think this way about grace. And that that sucker, that, that reward in the end, like, like that is what grace would be. There are, there are a lot of people, and I think even us, we fall into this, into this trap where we confuse the beauty of grace and we corrupt the beauty of grace by teaching that our relationship with God is in some sort of merit-based system. And at the time of Martin Luther in the 1500s, this is what was being taught to Luther, that, that um, grace was still a reality, all right? The scriptures are very clear that grace is a gift of God. That truth is there, but, but what Luther was being taught was that, that grace is, is there, it's a gift of God, 
but it's, it's like, a, like a reward for your good works. Um, an, an image that we could describe it would be something like, like, like making a cake, right? Like if you made a cake and you put all the ingredients together, God would look at that cake and he'd say, wow, you've made such a good cake, but I want to I make it even better for you. So I'm going to give you this rich frosting of grace over the top of it. You made the cake, but God will, will, will cover it with his grace. But as a result of what you've already accomplished. Some others, some others confuse grace by saying that, that grace is actually what God would pump grace into you, into your cake making, in order to kind of give you the desire to make that cake. And then as you make it, then, then he would cover it on the top as well. You know, here's the, here's the difference. I don't know if you see the difference. I put up on the screen before that God gives 100% grace, we do nothing. At the time of Luther, it was being taught that you got to do something, and then God still gives this grace thing. Do you see the, do you see the difference? What would salvation look like? What would salvation look like if it was on a merit-based system? Don't you think sometimes in your sinful, selfish nature, when things are going well in life, when you've been able to avoid temptation, when you've got a good rhythm going in life, when you've been loving people and serving people, maybe you've been attending worship and and reading your Bible and you're doing all these things, don't you sometimes say to yourself, man, God must be pleased with me. God must really love me right now. And then on on the other times of life when things aren't going well or you're repeatedly falling into temptations and into sin and you're just kind of in a funk, don't you find yourself sometimes saying, man, God must be really upset with me. He He must not think too highly of me. Have you ever thought like that before? I'll tell you what. If you think like that, if you think that your status with God is based in your merits, what you do or don't do, if you think like this, I will tell you, it's a trap. It's a trap. If you think that your relationship with God is based in your merits, it is a sneaky, sneaky trap. It's a trap that Satan uses in order to get us to claim some sort of credit for our salvation. And here's why it's so sneaky. Because honestly, don't you think that you deserve some credit? Right? Don't you think? Come on. If you're honest with yourself, don't you think you deserve some credit? Doesn't, don't you think you should get some credit every once in a while? Doesn't, doesn't this just seem to make sense to us? Like it's the way that it should be. Every other single relationship in this world is based on merits, what we do, what we don't do. Shouldn't it be the same way with God, perhaps even on a grander scale? You know, this was Martin Luther's battle, and I believe it's every one of our battles as well as we try to come to grips with this grace of God. Luther struggled to to get a good standing with God. I told you last week he was a German monk, and as a monk, he wanted to be the best monk possible. And as a monk, a monk had to keep the, the the, the right rituals and laws of God. And so Luther tried, and he tried, and he tried, but he failed, and he failed, and he failed. He tried to earn God's favor, but no matter how hard he tried, he always fell short. And this pained him deeply. It pained him deeply because he wanted to do good, but he could not do it. 
Luther even came up with a German word called anfechtung. Anfechtung. It, it's almost untranslatable into English because it's kind of a real complex word. But essentially, in its essence, it is this gut-wrenching uh, feeling of inability to come to grips with God's reality. And so Luther felt this deeply. What he knew and what he, what he read about God's grace in Christ didn't line up with what he was being taught that he needed to accomplish this. And so the reality of Christ's love and grace didn't match up with his practical reality and his inability because of his sin to do enough. It wasn't until he realized that grace is completely, grace is completely God's gift for us. It is completely Christ's work for us. We do not get to add to grace. We do not get to subtract from grace. We do not get partial credit for grace. God does it all freely for us, despite our sins and failures. Grace probably looks a little bit more like this video. deserve the sucker, right? I don't deserve it. I tried to say no to it, and yet it's still just given. Grace, that's how it works. Today, my goal is to define, demonstrate, and proclaim into your lives that this is what God has done for you. There is nothing that we can do to add to God's gift of grace for us. We cannot earn any merit in it. We cannot remove anything from it. Grace is just this. It is God's riches at Christ's expense for us. It is grace alone, sola gratia. Grace cannot be halved or quartered. It receives us wholly and it receives us freely. It is an all-or-nothing proposition with God doing all and us doing nothing. But for us, it just, again, it doesn't, just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't align with the way that the world works. And oftentimes we would say, man, if God were so gracious, if God were so gracious, wouldn't he just give me a little bit of credit for how good I have been? But here's the thing. I believe when the Holy Spirit finally convinces us of our inability to win God's favor, and when the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and our minds and our lives to see that God actually does us a favor by doing it all for us. Let me say that again. God does us a favor by doing it all for us. And here's his favor. You know, our sinful, selfish natures, if we're given just a crumb if we're given a crumb of credit, we're going to want the whole thing. 
We're going to want the whole thing. If God allows us just to have a little bit, we're going to want the whole thing. And eventually, we will feel burdened by God because we will never be able to do enough. God does it all. And this is why at the cross of Calvary, Jesus spoke the words, it is finished. It is finished. What is finished? Grace, forgiveness, eternal life, done, paid for, over, for you, for me, poor miserable sinners. This is why the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 today says this, if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. Right? If it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. Grace has nothing to do with works, my friends. Grace has nothing to do with works. Grace has everything to do with the cross. Grace has everything to do with the cross. Let me say that again. Grace has nothing to do with works. Grace has everything to do with the cross. And at the cross, we learn to trust. Look at this big cross up here. What shape does this cross make? What letter does it make? It makes the letter T. Today, let that T stand for trust. And when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, trust that what Jesus says is accomplished on that cross is actually true. And what does he say? He says, it is finished. Why, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. At the cross is where we are truly forgiven. At the cross is where we are truly justified. At the cross, we are truly set free. No strings attached, no work on our part, completely undeserved, a gift. And until we can trust, until we can trust by the power of the Spirit that it is finished and that grace is given to us despite our sin, we will continuously live in this dangerous trap of somehow thinking that we need to earn God's favor. And so my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would be at work in your life and that you would recognize that God has accomplished it all for you. Now, if you're thinking through this and you're using this rational mind that God has given to you, you're probably asking some big questions still. Like, well then what role do works play in all of this? I'm still supposed to do good stuff in this world, am I not? How am I supposed to do that? Or some of you might be saying, okay, if, great, if God does it all for me, then shouldn't I just, maybe I can just go and do as I please. I can just sin like crazy if God's just going to forgive me all at the same time. Those are great questions, and those are actually the questions we're going to be dealing with next week, all right? So you got to come back, you, you need to come back, because when we start dealing with faith and how faith is at work, how we're saved by faith, faith with God, faith in this world, that's where we start to answer those questions. But the very definition, and I'm going to tell you again, of grace Grace. Grace is how you are saved. Grace is God's gift fully and freely accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary for you, for your freedom and your forgiveness. And if you're not convinced of this, again, I pray, I pray, my dear friends, that the Holy Spirit will be at work in you and humble you so that you can receive this free gift of God for you. God loves you dearly, my friends. You're forgiven and free, and this is grace for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.